You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So, so as we see at the next seg- segment of, of chapter 11 of Matthew, he, he's talking about the places where he's done all these incredible miracles. And he's, he's contrasting them to cities that never got to see his miracles. And in the contrast, he's saying that there's almost a direct implication that if Jesus came to your town, if he came to your village and he healed leprosy and he healed those that were lame and blind and deaf, if he raised the dead, if he took care of the cripple, if he freed people from demons, you know, if those things there was kind of an expectation that he, he kind of thought that people should respond uh, to, to the manifest presence of God and turn toward God and turn from their selfish ways and start turning toward a, a relationship with God. That's, that's what he thought. And so he, you know, he, he's describing some cities that were wicked, wicked, wicked cities. And he said... <laughs> They're going, to be in better, they're going to be in better shape at the judgment than Capernaum, where he did a lot of miracles. And I thought, whoa, that got my attention. Anybody awake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it kind of catches our attention there, doesn't it? And then after he, he goes through those, uh, <laughs> Eugene Peterson says, doomed to you, Corazon, doomed to you, Bethsaida. You know, it's kind of, well, wait, and I think King James, it says, woe. And, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of expressions. But in verse 25, he shifts his tone. And abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've, you've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that is the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now that's good. I love that. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, the unforced rhythms of grace, how we long to have a rhythm of life that flows out of relationship with you, that we know how to implement, how to participate in the Father-Son 
business. Lord, we thank you that you've included us. Now give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Amen. So we're finishing a series on prayer, and we've looked at, I think, 10 aspects of prayer, and just go to the website, and you can listen to the podcast if you want to, and you can get all those. Last week was Thanksgiving, and I thought, well, what a nice transition as we're getting ready to move into November with celebrating our national holiday of Thanksgiving, of just looking at at this as uh, an invitation to Thanksgiving, and looking at this prayer of Jesus uh, and his invitation that follows his prayer to come to him. So, We find Jesus praying in the scriptures. He prays before each of the feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000, whenever he's going to feed a multitude, there's always an expression of thankfulness to the Father. When he's outside of Lazarus' tomb, he thanks God that he always hears him. And, uh, you know, this was for the benefit of the people. And, And he prayed and then here. He's praying, and in his prayer, there's thanksgiving. Jesus often, often had thanksgiving in his prayers when he talked to the Father. Matter of fact, it's the, one of the prime ways in which the, uh, the disciples were able to recognize him after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus uh, that night as he stayed in the village and took bread and broke it and gave thanks, and they recognized Jesus. Let's make sure we're recognized by thanksgiving. Giving thanks is one of the ways in which we attract heaven. We get heaven's attention when we're thankful. I've shared this testimony several times, but it goes way back into the early 1980s, mid to late 1980s, in Kansas City, when the Kansas City prophets were just arriving on the scene. And then there was this manifestation of this prophetic word of the Lord that was coming to people. And the prophets, they would have meetings and the prophets would say, over here, Josh, the word of the Lord says, blah, 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 blah. And they'd, they'd give a word and everybody would just, oh, that was awesome. And these were seasoned prophets. So it was not, Josh, you dirty, rotten sinner, get right with God. No, it wasn't one of those kind of words. It was, it was a word that built up and saw the true, the true person as God sees them. And it was wonderful. But being a pastor, I love it when the prophets come in because when they come in and they, and they speak the word of the Lord, the ones that they speak to get blessed. But in those early days, we didn't have, we didn't have the understanding that when the, when the Lord was speaking a prophetic word, uh, say to Ada Margaret, that if Joanne wanted to piggyback off that word, the words that was going to Ada Margaret that rang true In Joanne's spirit, she could receive as from the Lord for her. Call that the overflow, scattergun, uh, prophetic ministry. But back then, we didn't know it. We just thought if if you didn't get called out specifically by the prophet, then I had a whole lot of work to do. So, you know, I, I had a church of 150 at the time, and, you know, there'd be time for maybe 12 prophetic words 
So I've got 138 people that didn't get spoken to that are all looking to me like, well, doesn't God care about me? And so I, I got to pastor my way through all of that, the disappointment that comes when you want a word and you didn't get a word. Well, back in the 1980s, when, when Kansas City was just starting this, you know, there was this one guy and he kept going to every meeting and he never got a word. And he was, he was just really getting discouraged and disappointed. Why isn't the Lord giving a word to me? So he got his family around in the living room. They got around the coffee table and they went around and they just started giving thanks to the Lord, thanking the Lord for everything that they could think of to give thanks for. Now, I remember back when I was in my free Methodist days and we had this, uh, this choir from one of the Asian countries that came in and, and they were doing count your blessings, count them one by one, count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, and it was like, whoa. So that's what they did. This Kansas City family got around the coffee table and they just went around and they just counted their blessings and gave thanks to God for a car that ran and kids with health. And, and they just went around and around and around. And the presence of the Lord was really sweet and they had a great time. He went to bed that night and the Lord Jesus showed up in his room. He had a visitation. How many would like to have a prophetic word? Amen. How many would like to have a visitation? Yeah, okay. And here this guy in his, kind of in his humanness is thinking, all right, Jesus is going to give me a prophetic word. Oh, this is awesome. I can't wait. What's he, you know, am I going to be an intergalactic apostle to the universe? You know, you know, visions of grandeur and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, the Lord Jesus spoke one, one word to him. Thank you. And left. Wow. The power of thanksgiving may get you a visitation. <laughs> now, if the motive is a visitation, eh, it might not work that way. But if you're really, really moving from your heart in relationship to the Lord and you're giving him thanks, don't be surprised if he doesn't show up. So here's Jesus in chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 25, and he prays. Then Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and clever, for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. <clears throat> My Father has given me authority over everything. No one really knows the Son except the Father, and no one really knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, <clears throat> Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus is thankful 
for the way it pleased the Father to reveal him to others. The way the Father chose to reveal himself and the Lord Jesus was not you had to have a a PhD in religion. It was to the simple and the childlike who would receive. In the context of, of, of the woes to all the cities that he did these incredible miracles, lots of miracles, and they didn't repent, and they didn't come into relationship with him, you get this, this prayer of Jesus that he's so thankful that this is the way the Father chose to do it. So that's good news. It means all of us, all of us can respond. It's not based on your IQ or your EQ or any other kind of Q. It's based on the simple ability to believe and trust and to say thank you and to receive the, the truth that the Lord brings to us. The fact that you're here this morning kind of presumes that uh, you've, you've had a revelation of God in the person of Jesus. Hmm. And this absolutely is what Jesus was giving God thanks for, his Father. And Jesus is, is the one who has this father-son relationship that pre-existed the creation of the earth, the father-son communion that has always been. And out of that, Jesus knows the Father And the Father knows Jesus, and we don't know either one without them revealing themselves to us. That's why we got so many different religions and so many different ways of trying to figure out what reality is, because until Jesus revealed God the Father to us, we didn't know that God was a Father. We didn't know that he was kind and compassionate and good and and, and forbearing and patient and loving toward us. We were fearful. And and when we have earthly fathers that, that bred fear in us, fear of punishment or fear of abuse, then it was real easy to, to think that God is like that as well. And when you, don't, when you encounter difficulties throughout life, you just say, well, the gods aren't for me. Happens a lot on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how the golf gods just will punish you so quickly. It's just amazing. But we go with that kind of revelation until, we, until Jesus came. And, and when Jesus came and he reveals the Father to us, Jesus, even in his prayer, is just filled with joy and gratitude that this is the way that God chose to do it, to reveal himself. And so these these incredible miracles, these incredible healings, these incredible deliverances were all manifestations of the goodness and the love of God. And so when people could see something like that and not understand that it came from a good God, it broke, their, it broke Jesus' heart. And he let them know that they're going to be standing in judgment someday and it's not going to be a pretty picture. Mm. 
So hidden and revealed, the truth, the gospel of the kingdom, the Father heart of God, the revelation of Jesus, all that is just amazing. And so Jesus gives thanks. Jesus then goes on to say, all authority is given to me. Father has given me all authority. We see that here. We see this at the, at the Great Commission. And, and Matthew 28, as Jesus is at the mountain, as he's getting ready to ascend, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. It's been given to me. Father God has given all authority to Jesus. <sighs> Makes you think that he might be someone to know. If you want to get the inside track, it might be good to get to know the one that's got all authority. That would be good. The relationship between the Father and Son, we can only know as they reveal it to us. And that's why with Gloria's leaf analogy, we all have so many different colors you know, represented because the revelation of Jesus is almost directly in the proportion to how much time you'll spend with him. We, we all thank God for the moment that we came to the Eureka, I found it, of salvation, of realizing that, I, I, that my sins were going to separate me for eternity. But Jesus dying on the cross has forgiven my sins, that his blood has done something of cleansing and that the wrath is no longer towards me, that Jesus took everything upon himself upon the cross. And now we have God's favor, his love and we're adopted as sons and daughters into his family. And that's, that's, that's good news. That's good news. But that's just where it starts, folks. <laughs> a lot of times we think that's where it ends. No, that's just where it begins. Now we, as sons and daughters, we're ready to continue what God always had in his heart, which is <laughs> to redeem the earth, to reestablish his kingdom here as it is in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. Your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've got a, a, an assignment, but it's an assignment that's not a, a religion. We got a, an assignment that comes and is birthed out of relationship. And so as we come into a saving knowledge of being born again through the blood of Jesus, out of that relationship, we continue to commune with him and spend time with him and from there, we grow in our understanding of what all God's up to in the earth today. And for many of us, we can spend a lot of time just understanding how much he loves us. Because until we get that established as the foundation, then we'll be doing a lot of our religious works in order to earn his favor, in order to earn his love, in order to earn his acceptance, rather than coming from a foundation of having been loved, accepted, favored by him. And from that place, we get to partner with the Holy Spirit in doing all sorts of wonderful exploits in the earth to establish the king's kingdom. And that's fun. That's a riot. That's better than getting dirty. I mean, that's, <laughs> and it's from there that we, we build relationship. The only way we'll get to know the Father is through the Son. 
And as we get to know the Father through the Son, when we're looking at the Son and we're learning about the Son, guess what? The Father knows things about the Son that we still don't know. So when, we, when we're spending time with the Son and we're learning about the Father, and now we realize we have access, we have access through the blood of Jesus right into the very throne room of heaven, to the throne of God, the Father. That we can go to the Father, and when we get to there before the Father, guess what? He loves to brag about his Son. And all of a sudden, we listen, and the Father's telling us things about Jesus that we haven't heard. We didn't know. <laughs> And then when we're with Jesus, Jesus is telling us the wonders of the Father, things that we haven't known. Hmm. That's why this series on prayer, I've been encouraging us to get to heaven in our prayer time, to get into the throne room of God. Because with God the Father on the throne, Jesus on the right hand, interceding for us, the Holy Spirit (laughs) interceding for us with groans that they can't even find words for, As we get to heaven, what are they saying about you? I call it holy eavesdropping. (laughs) Let's get into the throne room and let's listen to the prayers that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is praying to the Father in our behalf. Most of the time when I get in the throne room, you got to stay there a good while before they get to you. I hear, I hear Jesus saying, oh, Father, fill the earth with your glory. Fill the earth with your glory. Fill the earth with your glory. That's why I can't get off of filling the earth with your glory because that's what I keep hearing Jesus say when he gets before the Father. He wants the Father's glory to fill his earth, his creation. Guess what? You're part of his creation. No doubt about it. He's not just talking about the land. He's talking about the planet in every sense of the planet, which includes includes all of us, filled with his glory. So when we get there and we're we're listening, if you stay there long enough and you hear what what they're saying about you, that's good. But I find that as you go there with a burden, a heart for someone else, you can find out what, what, what they're praying, I don't know, for Jessica. What are they praying for Jessica? Lord, I want to stand with you for your purposes for Jessica. So I want to hear what you're praying. I want to hear what the Holy Spirit's praying before the Father. I want to hear that so that I can stand 100% in agreement with your purposes. And you can do it for everyone in the room. For your family members, for your spouse, for your enemies. Do you know that Jesus is praying for his enemies? taught us that in the Sermon on the Mount. He's praying for those who (laughs) insult us, despitefully use us, say all manner of evil against us, all those kind of things. Jesus is praying for them. So if you've got an enemy that's giving you a hard time, I would encourage you to get in the throne room and listen to what Jesus and the Holy Spirit's praying to the Father concerning your enemy so that you can stand with them and not against them. Let's not stand with the kingdom of darkness and the very things that the evil one wants to do to our enemies. Let's stand with what God wants to do to our enemies. Okay? That ought to be enough said in an election year. Oh, yes. So, I've been trying to hear what he's saying about our presidential candidates. You know, I'm, I'm trying to press in there. 
so far, the, the, as long as I've been, I, I, don't, I don't think I've been there long enough yet. But there's been a huge burden on my heart to pray for the one who's going to be the spokesperson for the Lord to whoever our next president's going to be. Whoever's going to be that prophetic voice, that confidant to give the wisdom of God to, I've been praying for all the advisors, all the ones, the cabinet members, all those that are going to be there that know the Lord, that they would just be filled with an ability to give godly wisdom and counsel and know how to speak in a way that God's heart would be heard. Mm -hmm. So out of that father-son relationship, if you want to know the, if you want to know Jesus, keep spending time with Jesus. As he introduces the father, get some time on father's lap. Papa loves to pick up his kids and put them on the lap, even on the throne. It's fun. Sit, sit on Papa's lap as he's on the throne. It's a beautiful view. It's, it's a very unique view. Uh, crawl up there and, and, and let him pick you up and let him show you because he loves you and, and he's good. And he, he will give us a, you'll have a perspective that is absolutely unlike any other. But out of all of that prayer, that thanksgiving, that declaration of authority, that declaration of intimacy between the father and son that we have been included to come be a part of, he gives an invitation to us. He says, come to me. I love how many times in, in, in the gospel, Jesus says, come. Come, follow me. Come and I will show you where I stay. You know, follow me. Lay down your nets, leave your tax collector's booth, come, follow me. So here's another invitation that Matthew shows Jesus once again speaking, come, and it's to the weary. The weary ones are the ones who's been on a journey that has just about worn them out. They've got enough stress to kill a moose. They, they're tired. It's, it, the, the path has been uphill for the most part. And uh, it's, 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 it's been a journey. And the invitation is to come to him. To the burden. Those are the ones that are on the journey are carrying such a heavy load. It's, it's heavier than they're supposed to be carrying. It's weighing them down emotionally, physically, relationally. The weight is about to break them. Hmm. And the offer is Rest. The offer is to be refreshed, to relax. I always like the picture when, it, when, I, when I get to this part of the gospel, I, I sense Jesus is saying, you know, come to me and we'll go to an oasis in the midst of the desert journey. Here's a nice little oasis. I can see the palm trees, the... Uh, the pond. We just got back from the indoor water park at Abe Martin Lodge in Brown County, and so there's got to be a, a water slide at my oasis. And uh, just just the wonderful refreshing that comes with coming to Jesus. And then this next invitation is, let me teach you. King James says, learn of me. Learn of me, yeah. Let me teach you. And the word for learn there is, is, is the word that we get disciple out of. So it's, let me disciple you. 
Come and be a disciple of mine. Within the rabbinical practices, when you would, when you would become a, a follower of a certain rabbi, you would go and you'd be with him and you'd listen to all his teachings. And with the oral tradition, you would have to, to learn a lot, a lot of just the oral tradition. You'd have to really, really study hard, listen, listen, listen. <clears throat> Which is nice because Jesus has fulfilled all of the law. And so now to be a disciple of Jesus means you come and you just spend time with him. You listen to what he says. You walk with him, you, you, you're with him all the time. You eat with him, you, you travel with him, you just spend time with Jesus and you become his disciple. Now, some of us wouldn't qualify for entrance into a PhD program on Ugaritic Old Testament biblical languages. But there's not one of us who are not included in the invitation to allow Jesus to teach us. I would love for the Holy Spirit to just come and to release a grace upon all of us to really become more astute in being taught by Jesus that we would be, have an awareness of when Jesus is teaching us all the time. I'm amazed as we go on this journey with Jesus and as he disciples us, we go where he goes and sometimes he goes where we go. And pretty soon you get this whole dynamic that because he lives in you and you live in him, that wherever you go, the kingdom is because the king is in you. And as you, as you have that, you know, if you go to the movies, in my holiness days, that was a no-no. You didn't go to the movies. I'm amazed at how many times God speaks to me at the movies. You know, Jesus is always attuning me to what is next that he knows I lack, that I need to have. Has anybody arrived and, and you just have, you've, you've already been discipled by Jesus to the point that he had, there's nothing left that he could teach you? you, you, you you're, you're, you've arrived, you've gotten there? See, that's why if the enemy can ever get us to think that we've got it all or we've got enough theology that we can navigate the rest of our life, thank you, Jesus, I'll take it from here. You know, we, we've, we've missed the boat. There's always more in the kingdom. There's always more for the Lord Jesus to reveal to us. So don't get upset if you see so-and-so and they're clear up here and you're, you've, picture yourself way down here. Just spend time with Jesus. Each of us have an own unique growth rate, but we wanna keep growing. The only time I get worried is when I feel like I've gotten stagnant. And then I'm wondering, what happened? What have I done? What's going on in my life? Why do I feel stuck? Why do I feel so stagnant, because with Jesus, we, we should always be gaining new understanding because he's a great teacher. So the invitation is to let him disciple you, let him teach you because he's humble. I've had some professors that were so arrogant, uh, it just kind of scared me. 
It was just like they thought they knew everything there was to know, and if I would just come and submit to them, that I would become just like them. And I thought, no, I don't want to be like you. (laughs) That's not where I want to go. Because Jesus is humble and gentle. We find rest, even as he's teaching us. It's not exhaustive. Reagan, it's not like carrying 21 hours at IU. You know, it's, it's, it's not crazy, you know, where you're, you're bombarded with all this academic pressure. When Jesus is teaching you, it fits you. It fits your schedule. It fits how you study. It fits how you learn. It fits. And it's not heavy. And the picture here is the picture of the ancient yoke. And most of the time when we look at these yokes, we, we understand that yokes usually is how you get more than just one, you get two or, or even more to team together to, to carry the burden, to plow the field, to carry the wagon, whatever the burden is that, they're, that they're, they have to take. And the reason why Jesus says it fits is because he's in the yoke with us. I almost, I almost see Jesus as, as that kind of buffer. If we think of something that goes around the shoulders, over the head, around the shoulders and stuff like that, I almost see Jesus as the shoulder pads as we get into the yoke. It's comfortable. We're not rubbing. It's not, it's not, it's not bringing an irritant. It fits. If you've ever worn something that doesn't fit, oh, that's no good. That's no good. I remember eighth grade football. The only cleats they had left for me were a little too big. At the end of practice, I had six blisters. Six blisters. That lasted the whole season. They never got better. Because the shoes didn't fit. And it's like, oh. But Jesus... His yoke fits. When you are being taught by Jesus, everything about the learning experience is custom made for you to know and to grow, to learn and to draw close to. His burden is light. Well, with Jesus, (laughs) the burden bearer, if he's in the yoke with you, guess what? It will be light. It will be light. Doesn't mean that it's going to be a piece of cake but it will be light. Religious training can be very heavy and it can almost be oppressive. But a relational discipleship of being taught by the master is easy and light. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, teach us the unforced rhythms of grace that is found in our Master, our Lord, Jesus Christ. 
Holy Spirit, glorify him today in our hearts and in our lives. Let him live large within us that he would be released in the earth and that there would be glory to the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit living in us. So Holy Spirit, as we've talked about Father and Son, we know that you are the one that comes and reveals all that Jesus said and did. We give you the place of honor. We ask that you'd come and fill us and free us and release us to be light and life in the earth. I feel like the Lord wants us to pray protection for those whose employment involves a lot of uh, travel, especially if you travel on the road. Uh, Tim is with us today. He he uh, introduced himself. He's part, his truck is down at the truck stop, and so he came to church with us. And I, I think there's another truck driver here. Uh, so anybody else drive a lot of miles? M- might be in a car, doesn't have to be a truck, for work. Okay. Father, we just pray for those that drive a lot that travel on the road. We pray for protection. We pray for favor. We pray, Father, that uh, your hand would rest upon them. And thank you for Tim, Lord. He was just sharing his his joy of being able to be in your house and, and being able to worship today. And we just pray a blessing upon him. Pray a, a blessing. Jessica, you have to help me. What's Marty? Marty? On Marty? Pray, Father, that you bless Marty. You keep him safe in his travels uh, on the road. I just pray, Father, that uh, these trucks would become sanctuaries where you, Holy Spirit, manifest the very glory of the Lord, that as they are assisted angelically to all this protection, the safety, I pray that uh, this would just be cathedrals on wheels that would just be filled with your glory and that you would continue to to train your sons. Mm -hmm. And for our students that are studying, we pray, Father, that your hand would be upon them, that you would be with them in this hour. And for all of us as disciples of Jesus. Lord, we want you to teach us. We thank you for the elementary things that have been taught to us. We would never make light of that. But Lord, we say uh, continue at, at the rate that you know that we're, we're ready. Continue to reveal more and more of your kingdom, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And for all this, we'll give you praise. Thine almighty. Amen. Now, if you have a need today, I'd love to pray for you.
especially if you're stuck. If anyone feels like you're in a stagnant spot, love to pray for you today. And we have a ministry team that would love to pray with you as well. So outside of that, go eat cake, celebrate. <laughs> celebrate me and Linda. <laughs> And, and uh, continue to purchase stuff uh, for, for Karen Newell's uh, fundraiser. Outside of that, know that Jesus is absolutely in love with you. And let him have your very best. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.